This episode and every episode is sponsored by Ale Asylum. This episode is also sponsored by Resolution Therapeutic Massage. Thank you, Ale Asylum, and thank you, Resolution, for being a part of what we do. Hello, Madison Story Slam. It is I, your host, Adam Rosted, here with another Long Slam episode. But before we get to who my guest is, I should tell you about a couple of things. If you did not come to the May 19th Story Slam, which was Redemption, you've missed out because the regular Story Slam season is over. That's right. We, You know that we run through August through May, and so our Wilmar Story Slams are done for the season. We will be back in August of 2018 with another Story Slam at the Wilmar Center. But as for now, we're done. However, if you are sad or whatever and you want to come to another one, we're doing a special one in June. It is Sunday, June 10th at Robinia Courtyard. And the theme that night is thank you for your service. And uh, they wanted to do a Story Slam, so they reached out to us. And they want it to be about the food service industry and wow i screwed that up the food service industry so they want people who've worked in that industry to come and share some nightmare stories or some good stories whatever you have but you know it's our thing and you know i'm loose with the rules so if you have any story that can fit into that theme or if you just have any story we want you to come out and tell a story that night again it is sunday june 10th i think i said that sunday june 10th at Robinia Courtyard, and I believe it starts at 7 p.m. You can log on to Facebook and find out all the details if you just search Madison Story Slam and then look on our events page and you'll find it. Uh, some other things that you can help us do, just log on to uh, iTunes or use the Apple Podcasts app or anywhere else that you can leave a rating and a review for podcasts and then do that. Leave us a rating, leave us a review. That helps people find the podcast, helps us grow and then again, if you want to help support what we do, you can go to patreon.com slash Madison Story Slam, and there you can pledge money monthly, and uh, it helps us do the show. And don't feel like you have to like pledge $85 a month. $1 a month is huge to us, so th- you know there's a lot of you out there listening, so if all of you pledged $1 a month, that would help us make our show better, have better prizes, and all that good stuff. On today's show, I am interviewing somebody who has been to Story Slam before. The, uh, he has told a couple of great stories. He won the April Story Slam, which was Child's Play. That was the theme. Uh, he has a book out called Different is Awesome. It is for children or really anybody who just wants to learn about things. And then you can also find his website at livingonehanded.com. I'm interviewing Ryan Hack today. So without further ado, let's get to the interview right now. Ryan Hack, how the hell are you? Mr. Ross, I'm fantastic. How are you, my friend? <laughs> I am doing well. Great. I'm going to tell you right away, move that microphone closer to your mouth. I love eating microphones. <laughs> Is that a weird thing to say? No, not at all. Okay. Good. So uh, tell me and our listeners a little bit about who you are and uh, all your goodness. 
Oh my goodness, that's a big question. I know. Yeah. Just introduce yourself. All right, well, my name is Ryan Hack, as we have already previously discussed. Uh, I grew up uh, born and raised in Wisconsin, Madison area. Um, I've lived a couple different places, but the majority of my life I've been here. Um, Probably the biggest thing about me that people can't see on the podcast, but is a, a major part of my life, is that I was born with one hand. What? Shocking. Yes, I know. Uh, I've told many different stories about why I have one hand, but that's the true one. Well, speaking uh, of, of having one hand, yes. Uh, you know, I just said that our uh, upcoming story slam in June is uh, entitled Thank You for Your Service. I don't remember if I said that or not. But, yes, you did. Uh, I chose that theme because they, they did tell me they wanted it to be like food service industry mm-hmm. people. So I had to come up with a theme. But I also chose that theme because I know you. And <laughs> why don't you just go ahead and share with our listeners why I would choose that theme sure. because of you? Yeah, well, I, I, I can't remember when we talked about it or how it came up, but... Um, even when I was a kid, uh, having one hand, I remember adults would come up to me, even I was like, you know, 12, 13 years old. And they'd be like, Oh, how did you lose your hand son in the war? <laughs> and I'd be like, Whoa, what? <laughs> like, what, what war am I in? Or they would just flat out say, you know, thank you for your service. Son. <laughs> I love and I'm that. like, thank you for your service. <laughs> like I'm 13. <laughs> I what, love that. Like, what did I do? Uh, but you know, I, I, I love the thought of you as a kid that happened, but I really love the idea of you as an adult right. with with your children in line at the grocery store right. <laughs> and somebody leaning over on their way out and going, Thank you for your service. Uh-huh. That's true. <laughs> and you just going because you don't want to get into right. it all, just going, uh, yeah. Uh, somebody last night at Story Slam asked if I lost my arm in the service. <laughs> I'm, not, no I'm not making that up. No way. I absolutely uh, That's happened. so funny. So uh, I, I just want to clarify for people listening. Yeah. You, you know, your website is livingonehanded.com. Mm-hmm. You say I was born with one hand. Right. But is it more fair to say that you uh, don't have a forearm? And yeah, a hand. That's true. Yeah. So my arm ends uh, right after my el- my left elbow. So okay. I have about. Eh, two inches, I guess, after my left elbow. Um, so I still have that. Um, but yeah, and, and it's, some, it's something that when I grew up, it really didn't make a difference in my life. Like, I think there's a, a number of factors involved in that. Part of it, I think, is just my personality, the way yeah. that I was born. But then also, like, I have a huge supportive family. I had tons of friends. All my teachers were, you know, great about it. So it, it didn't it really didn't make a difference to me. I never thought about it as something that was a, a disability. Um, even when I graduated high school, I remember there was, um, what's it called? The, the Department of Vocational Rehabilitation. Um, my mom felt terrible because she was like, we didn't even think about utilizing something like that <laughs> because you're just a normal kid. Yeah. <laughs> like You did everything you wanted. And I was like, well, I never would have thought of that either. So it wasn't something that ever made me look for Ah, excuses or extra opportunities or, you know, anything like that. It it was very much a non-factor growing up. So, and then it was, it wasn't until it was in my thirties that I decided to kind of be intentional, um, about helping other people. About having one arm. About having, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I am intentionally going to live my life with one hand now after 30 some years. That's what we're doing. I've been faking it the whole, yep, the yep. rest of the time, but <laughs> I'm I'm coming out of the closet as a one-handed person. <laughs> finally, everyone. Well, was that's surprised. very brave of you, right? I know. That's very yeah, brave. Yep, yep. I'm a pioneer, you might say. <laughs> <laughs> so well, so tell me a little bit about. It, 
interviews like this are always hard because like I want to ask you questions like you know what what uh difficulties did yeah. you face or notice and it's like for well for you right. nothing right. because like this is just all <laughs> I've ever known. Yep. No, uh, it is funny because I you know people will assume um I mean rightly so like I don't think it's a uh, a dumb thing to assume like a lot of people will be like oh you must have been bullied when you were a kid and I really wasn't. I mean, I remember one time ever um, where I was actually running track and we were out running around the neighborhood and this kid said something about my arm. I don't even remember what it was because it didn't really bother me. Uh, but another kid basically picked him up and threw them on, <laughs> threw him on the back of a car and was like, hey, we don't do that. That's, that's not something that happens. Wow, that's and awesome. And I was like, oh, and I didn't even, you know, he was a senior. I was a freshman and I didn't really know him. And I was just like, oh, this is, that's cool. Thanks, man. It didn't bother me, but <laughs> that's cool. But like, I could, I can understand why someone would, would think that, or, you know, when people, like you said, ask, you know, oh, well, what things were really hard when you're growing up? And there, there really isn't a lot. Like I, I can't simply be, and the way I kind of explain it is that. What about playing two hand touch? Uh, well, <laughs> <laughs> the only problem with that is that everyone got angry at me because I was a very good athlete. And I didn't have to use two hands. That's right. And so I would get somebody, this happened a mi- like literally a million times. I, oh, I, I use literally. I, I don't like when people say it's literally okay. and then say a million, but um, so many times where we were playing football and then I would tag somebody and they would immediately yell, that wasn't two hands. <laughs> and then they'd be like, oh, it's hack. <laughs> and so then everyone's like, well, I guess, I guess he's down. <laughs> Can I ask <laughs> you, you an insensitive question? Yep. Has anybody ever pointed out the irony of your last name hack and the fact that you are missing a limb? Yes. Yes, they have. <laughs> and I will tell you, it's hilarious every time. <laughs> every time I'm like, oh yeah. That, oh yeah. Oh, oh yeah. That, that old it. joke. Yeah. 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 No, oh, I, I see get what it. you did Like there. it got hacked off. Right. No, I get it. Yeah. Yeah. No, it took me a second, but no, I got it. One of my favorite <laughs> things that you do on Instagram is every now and then, like you'll see an advertisement. Like I think it was a fast food place. that was like burgers so big, you have to use two hands right, right. Yeah. and you'll post a picture of that and like say some cap- caption like, oh, I guess, well, this is not for right. me then. <laughs> right. Or just make a face like, yeah. Mm, yeah. Okay guys. <laughs> Right. Because the thing is, I don't actually care. Like, you know what I mean? Like I'm, I'm self-aware enough to not be offended by much. Yeah. And so, but I know, you know, I had a lady actually reach out to me not too long ago about this game. Um, it's like a board game or something where you, you can't use your thumbs and it's, you know, oh, hilarity ensues because, (laughs) you know, you can't do anything very well if you don't use your thumbs, blah, 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 which for 99.9% of people on earth, that's true. Like y- y- thumbs are important, right? Yeah. <laughs> and so, but she got super offended because her kid doesn't have thumbs. And, oh, and so she's like, I understand. I probably shouldn't be this angry, but I just, I'm so angry about it. And it's so insensitive and all this stuff. And so I, I had to be kind of the voice of reason with her and be like, I get it because your perspective is your kid doesn't have thumbs and, and whatever. But for most people, it is funny because they almost everyone does have thumbs. Yeah. And so when you don't use them, yeah, it's hard to do stuff and it makes you look silly. And so it's not, don't take it so personally as, as like a, a personal dig. Like, yeah, his situation is such that it, it 
mean something different to him, mm-hmm. but they're not, they weren't out to get him. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're looking at their audience, which mostly all has thumbs <laughs> and yeah. they're just making this funny game. That's all. So, I mean, obviously there are things that, that are offensive. Sure. Uh, but for the most part, I think, you know, just allowing things to be what they are is, I mean, I don't have time to be angry about everything. Well, you know? which, which brings me to the reason, uh, or, or to the point of the very first time I asked you to be on the podcast was like a year and a half ago. Mm-hmm. And we've, we've, we know each other cause we went to church together and like mm-hmm. the timelines just don't line up sometimes. But, uh, speaking of being insensitive and offensive right. and offending people, <laughs> do you, do you know where I'm <laughs> yeah, going? I totally remember. Okay. Um, I made a post on Instagram. There, there is a young lady who is a part of a singing competition who has some sort of disability. I, I hesitate to even call it a disability. Yeah. That feels weird to me. Just a difference, I think. A difference yeah. where her hands are very small. Right. And it reminded me of the Kristen Wiig yeah. character from right. SNL on the Lawrence Welk show where she uses mm-hmm. doll hands. Right. <laughs> yeah. And I... I put a side-by-side comparison and just said, I'm going to hell, but this is what I think of. And I remember I was driving for Uber one night, oh, yeah. the, the night that I posted it, and you <laughs> sent me a text message uh, and said, that's pretty offensive. I happen to know that girl, and she's a sweetheart, and blah, blah, blah. And I said, listen, I'm not trying to be offensive. I just think that it's a fair comparison. I like. I think most people who see her, who know the Kristen Wiig character, would go, right. "Oh my gosh, that's right. like tough because it's both singing and it's mm-hmm. right." But so let's talk about that a little because I yeah. don't know if we, that we've ever talked about that in yeah. person about it. Do you still think that that's offensive? Um, and I'm totally okay if you yeah, do. Yeah. This is not me trying to like win you over to my side. No, yeah, I totally get that. I'm I can't, trying to remember exactly what the what the post was. I just remember it, it hit me wrong simply because like I said, like I knew the person first of all. Yeah. And I think for me it was, I think almost more offensive was that it was just an easy joke. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> that is totally fair. That is totally fair. It's just one of those things where you're like, you know, I'm all about dumb jokes too. But for me, it was just, it was an easy when you, so when you have a physical difference, you have to deal with people staring at you every day of your life. Yeah. Period. Yeah. Um, and that's a, that's a hard thing. Like I'm pretty good at it now. Like I'm 40. I'm pretty, pretty well used to that, but I still have times where it bothers me. Yeah. And, and so for, for me, it's like taking the one thing, your physical appearance and Comparing it to a joke character is a, it's just an easy and, and difficult, you know, for that person, like we, you don't have to deal with that, but she does, you know what I mean? And so I think for me, I think that was kind of the point where it was like, A, I knew her, but then B, it was just like yeah, taking the one thing that she wants people not to notice, you know what I mean? Like they don't, I don't want the people to point this out and that's what you're pointing out. And so I think for me, that was kind of the, the offense. And I think even when I told you, I was like, I'm not, I don't know that offended is the right word. Yeah. You it just was like, that. you know, I'm just like, I just, I don't feel great about it. That's, so, that's- so maybe, maybe the point really is it's not that she had a physical difference. Maybe if I compared anybody to a joke character, that's supposed to be this kind of like hilarious personification of something. Sure. 
whether or not they had a physical difference or not, like maybe that's the quote unquote offensive thing. But then also I want to touch on something you said that like she's got the one thing that she doesn't want anybody else to notice as, as someone without a physical difference, Mm -hmm. uh, besides being a little fat, um, (laughs) I don't know that that's a fair, well, it's not a fair thing to have because like, no, no, no. Listen, whether or not you want somebody to like, that's what they're that, like too bad. That's the first thing people are going to notice. Absolutely. hundred percent. And that's, so maybe I, maybe that's not exactly what I mean. Um, because I, I'll, I'm going to step out on a limb here Yeah, and I'll let you know, anyone with a physical difference knows they have a physical difference <laughs> what? and understands <laughs> that people are going to look at them. I had a, yeah. there's this girl I knew once in high school who dyed her hair like bright blue. And every time someone like looked at her or said something, she'd be like, what? Yeah. It's what? like, it's like goth kids who, right. who dress dramatically right. in all black with makeup yeah. and stuff. And they're like, Oh, you, you're just looking at me because right. I look different. And we're like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's exactly right. That's actually the point of why <laughs> you you're doing this. Nailed it. <laughs> you, you want attention. Right. Yeah. So, yeah. So I don't, I don't necessarily mean that, um, like we all know, like I know people are going to look at me and they'll do double takes and they'll stare and they'll do whatever because I look different than most people. Totally get that. But I don't necessarily need people, other people, to draw more attention to it. Does that make sense? Yeah, um, it does make so sense. so for her, she, you know, I have a lot of friends who are athletes too. So like Jim Abbott was a major league bitch, baseball pitcher. My friend Nick is a MMA <laughs> You player. just said a major league pitcher. <laughs> yeah, I think I did. <laughs> <clears throat> Sorry, Jim. No, he's a, like an amazing person. Yeah. He was my hero growing up. So to be able to like say we're friends is super bizarre. Well, he's a major league bitch, so... <laughs> <laughs> so maybe it's not that big a deal. Um, but like my friend Nick, so he's an MMA fighter, right? He's 14 and one, I think. Um, he just recently uh, signed a deal with the UFC to be in this contender series thing. And he should have been in there years ago. Anybody, yeah. if, if they had two full arms and his record would have been there in a, a long time ago, but it carries all this baggage. But then it becomes this thing where he wants to be known as an athlete, not as a one-handed athlete. Huh. And so he understands people are going to say that regardless of what he wants, he gets that, but he would like them to see him first as an amazing athlete, as an incredible athlete that happens to have one hand. And so the same for her where she wants, I'm sure, you know, again, I don't, I'm speaking for her a little bit, but just knowing kind of how we quote unquote operate. <laughs> <laughs> I, like, I don't okay. know why that was funny, <laughs> but it was the mouthpiece. <laughs> but I, I can guarantee that she wants to be known as an amazing singer first. Yeah, that she wouldn't be introduced as, oh, here's uh, differently handed so and so singer extraordinaire. Right? Like, yeah. That's not how yeah. you know. Whatever you do, you want to be great at it and and thought of in that way. But it's a novelty, you know? And so every I'm forwarded videos and stories constantly. There's this the and the NFL, this guy is Shaquem Griffin, you know, yeah. who he yep. he's going crazy. And everyone's like, Oh, he's opening doors and he got drafted and blah blah blah. And I'm like, Yeah, you know why? Because he was the defensive player of the year in his league. He's an amazing athlete. Regardless of if he has one or two hands, he happens to you have know what's one. so interesting though, is yeah. that for people that comes out of a place of wanting to be inspired yeah. and thinking it's 
it's not out of a place of purposeful con mm-hmm. condescendent condescension. Yeah. You mm-hmm. know, yeah. It, it is truly out of this innate human desire to feel inspired and find things mm-hmm. that are inspiring. Right. It, but it so often comes off as condescension. Yeah. Well, the, the idea of inspiration is really interesting, especially in this environment. Like I, I've, I've gone back and forth a number of times. Um, and there are a lot of people again with, with physical differences who are kind of, I'm trying to think of how to say this. They would wear shirts that say, I'm not your inspiration. Hmm. Um, because I'm a person and I'm doing everything the way I know how to do it. And I'm doing it fine. Like, you know, I grew up learning how to do everything with one hand. And so it's normal to me. It's not, you know, why am I inspiring you by just living my life? Yeah. Know? But why is, why mm-hmm. is the able-bodied athlete an inspiration? Yeah. Right. You know what I'm saying? Like, yep. so I, I, I think, I think the attitude of I'm not your inspiration is a poor one. If I'm being mm-hmm. honest with you, because right. I happen to agree, but you know, you. who, who are you, who is anybody to say to somebody else, you can't be inspired by this. Mm-hmm. Listen, if somebody's story, just that they right. can tie their shoes with one hand is inspiring mm-hmm. to somebody, like, right. more power to you. If, if that inspires you to be a better person, great. That's always my, that's always my response, is I, I'm not in charge of who's inspired by me. Yeah. Um, I, in fact, I, I would like people to be inspired by me. I, I feel like, like you're saying, I feel like that's a good thing. Um, it, it's always interesting to me, I think, when, when people say... I, I, you know, I'm not your inspiration and you shouldn't be inspired by me. Um, and, and I don't know where exactly that comes from. Um, I, I think some of it has to do with, with pressure um, and with, I, I'm just a person. I think a lot of people who have disabilities feel like either I'm going to be pitied or I'm going to have all this pressure to be some sort of an inspiration for people. Yeah. Like that, that there isn't an in-between. Um, either people feel bad for me or they want to feel better about themselves because of me. Hmm. Um, and there isn't this middle ground of just being a person. Um, and so I think that's kind of where it comes from. I think I do a lot of things very intentionally to try and inspire people. So it doesn't bother me, but I can understand that. I can appreciate, you know, someone who's like, I just, I just want to live my life and I don't want you know, other people to kind of use me as a prop to feel inspired to be a better person or to just feel bad about my life. Cause my, my life is fine, <laughs> you know? Um, so I, it's, it's just an interesting thing that yeah. kind of just, it, it kind of automatically comes with the territory. Um, and I think a lot of people, it, it takes a while to figure out how you feel about it and how you're going to deal with it. Yeah. You know? You know, I used to drive for a bus company in town and I, I drove for their paratransit side. So picking up people in wheelchairs and people with disabilities and stuff. And I used to pick up regularly this woman who was in a wheelchair and we would talk a lot because we would pick up, I would pick her up at like 1130 at night. And there's something about late night, you know, car rides. It was just me and her and we would talk a lot. And, uh, she would ask me, she would go, let me ask, it, this happens so much. She'd be like, let me ask you something. As an able-bodied person, why do you blah, 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 blah. And uh, she was really hung up on people opening doors for her. Mm-hmm. And she's like, 
I, I hate it because they're just opening doors for me because I'm in a wheelchair. Yeah, yeah. And they're, they're doing it and it makes me feel bad about myself and blah, blah, blah. And I, and I just turned around and I said, why do you think that, why, why is your automatic assumption that they're doing it because they pity you? Yeah. Yep. And she didn't have an answer. And I just said, listen, <laughs> I'm going to open a door for somebody who I think I could help right. in some way. And not that you mm-hmm. need help, but like, I would open a door for you in the same way that I would open for a door for somebody who's carrying a bunch of books yeah. or whatever. Like, mm-hmm. I, I, uh, I, let's just say her name was Megan. And I, I said, Megan, undoubtedly, it is harder for you to open and get through a door than it is for me to do yeah. it. I mean, right. that's just the truth. Mm-hmm. Right. And so if I can take two seconds out of my day to help another human being, it's not to make me feel better. It's to help you. Yeah. Uh, and, and I just remember saying that to her and she was like, I have literally never thought about it that way. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it, it took a long, I'll be honest. I mean, it took a long time for me to get to that place. And I, I think for anybody who, because again, I think when you have a, a physical difference, you, you feel this pressure on yourself to perform, right? Like to, to show people that I don't need your help. I can do anything that you can do. I don't need your help. And so it, it, it's kind of this defensive thing for quite a, quite a while. I mean, when I, I worked at a hardware store and the owners, they're very sweet, but anytime it came to like carrying something heavy or, you know, they're like, oh, oh, let's, let, we'll, we'll help you out. Oh yeah, we can go grab it. And I was just constantly me being like, I got it. I got it. It's fine. You don't need to help, <laughs> like whatever. And so I think for a long time, and, and I found this with, with people my age and older, that you kind of just get mellowed out. And like my perspective is, is kind of what you said. My assumption at this point is when people are asking to do things for me, they're trying to help. Like they, they see, you know, again, the assumption, and I think this is where the, the switch goes from being defensive because obviously they're seeing something where they think I can't do something yeah, or that they can make it easier for me where I don't necessarily need that. And so before I would, be defensive and be like, no, I don't need your help. And now I'm like, you know what? They're trying to help. They're trying to be nice. We need more of that. <laughs> you know, I want people to be nice. Yeah. And so even though I don't need your help to open the door, if you want to open the door, great. Like I, I'm, I'm giving you that opportunity. You feel good about it. I didn't have to open the door. I mean, I, I had a situation recently. I, I do a fair, fair amount of flying and I was on, got on the plane and my backpack and my carry on going down the aisle and four people were like, Oh, can I, Oh, can I help you? Oh, can I give you a hand? Which first of all, give me a hand is great. Um, <laughs> but like by the third person, I, I, I wasn't even at my seat. Like yeah. I'm still just walking down the plane and I'm thinking like, what are you, what are you going to help me with at this yeah. point? Like I'm yeah. literally just walking to my seat. Follow me down. Right. And I'm like, <laughs> what, like, do I look really pathetic today? Or like, is there something <laughs> hanging off of me or like what, what's happening? That so many people want to help me right now. And then, of course, I get to my seat. Of course, you were wearing your shirt that said, I could really use a hand. Right. Exactly. (laughs) (laughs) But, like, I got to my seat and and I I grabbed my carry-on and I have to put it in the overhead bin. And immediately, I just felt this weight of, like, I better not F this up. Like, (laughs) I better not screw this up because (laughs) if I miss or it falls or something, they're all going to be like, yep, yeah, he did need our help. Yeah, we were right. 
He definitely did. He he was so cocksure. Right, exactly. <laughs> and it's like obviously, you know, none of them I'm sure cared at all, like whether, you know, whatever. I mean sure I'm sure they stopped looking even, but it was just this internal thing for me where I was like suddenly just had this burden of like, oh, I gotta I gotta get this right and show everyone that I can do this, you yeah. know. And and I hadn't felt that in a long time. But I don't know. It's just one of those things that you I, I think as you as you age, I think it's part of the deal that you just realize, you know, hey, I I like people being nice. Like, and I'm gonna just assume that they're trying to help me. And I get that it's kind of awkward. They don't know what to do with me. And so I would rather have them try to help yeah. and and allow that to happen, you know? So Well, speaking of nice people who just wanna help. It's time to hear from one of our sponsors. Resolution Therapeutic Massage is an established massage therapy clinic in downtown Madison, Wisconsin, specializing in custom massages. Their therapeutic approach is ideal for student athletes, traveling professionals, top performers, and anyone who needs their body and mind to be at peak condition. The therapists at Resolution will evaluate your muscle response and select the best technique for your tailored massage. Clients often experience relief from acute pain after one session and relief from chronic pain after three sessions. Packages for ongoing support are available at a discounted rate. Through custom massages, you can experience a therapeutic massage customized to bring relief from your acute and chronic pain. They've got relaxation, therapeutic, deep tissue, craniosacral, Reiki, and pregnancy massage. Also, there is an infrared sauna available, and from what I hear, it's pretty wonderful. I also hear that if you schedule your first appointment and mention Madison Story Slam, you get $5 off. So visit resolutionmassage.com and schedule your first appointment today. So one thing that I want to ask you about is uh, pretty much this whole conversation. We've kind of talked about, um, I have used the word disability Mm -hmm. and you have talked about a bodily difference. Mm -hmm. And so I'm curious about that because uh, like I said, having driven for paratransit, I've met a lot of people who are in wheelchairs and Mm -hmm. what I would say have a disability and they'll use the word disability. But I've also met a lot of people who just hate that word. Yep. Uh, maybe not hate, but like, just think it's the wrong word. And so I'm curious about, uh, why you choose to use the word a bodily difference because I mean, to be fair, I don't think of you as having a disability. Yeah. So, but go ahead. Yeah. You know, it's, it's an interesting, it's very interesting. Like just the word disability in of itself. Um, I have a couple friends who are kind of like reclaiming the word disability um, which is, is great. Oh, okay. And they're doing it for like certain reasons, like being yeah. like, you know, it's, it's not something to be ashamed of. Um, it's, it's kind of the definition as far as, um, I don't know, getting aid, um, and opportunities and, you know, things like that. I like words have power, obviously. Totally. Um, and so for me, uh, like I don't view mine as a disability simply because I can do anything that I need to do, but it definitely is a difference. If someone called it a disability for me, I also wouldn't be offended because I know what they mean. Like, I'm okay with that. Um, if someone called it a different ability, a diffability. A diffability? Do an people act, yeah. say that? People oh, say that. I don't like so that at right, all. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. But it's one of those things where people want to 
define themselves in a way that works for them. And I'm okay with that. I would never call what I have a diffability. Yeah. Because that doesn't resonate with me. But if someone else feels like that resonates with them, that's fine. I, I, I probably wouldn't use that term for anyone else either. But, you know, I, I think a lot of it just has to do with how do you view the word and how does it define you? Um, and, and so that's why I think it's such a big thing. Because when we think I, of disability, in and of itself, I mean, at its core, it means that you aren't able to do something. Right, yeah. you're not able to do things. It, you, you, it's a disability, um, and so that's why I think so many people are like, "What?" Well, in fact, I remember filling out you know job applications and stuff, and when it said, "Do you have a disability?" I didn't know how to answer. Like, yeah. I literally didn't know what to put oh, that's because so I was like, "I mean, I guess technically, I, I it would be called that, but I don't, I don't view it that way, yeah. and I don't feel like I have a disability." And so I would just sit there for minutes on end and, and like have to come back to the question. Cause I was like, I don't know how this is going to affect things or what it's going to tell them about me. If I like, let's say I say no. And then I show up and I have one hand. <laughs> well, this guy's like, a liar. Right. They're like, well, uh, <laughs> I think you answered that question wrong. Right. <laughs> and so I don't, it's just, a, it's an interesting uh, process. I think that people kind of go through and, and look at, I think so much of it has to do with identity and, and defining yourself. And what does it say about you? And so if you feel like you're completely, oh, so that's another one, like handicapable. Yeah. Uh-huh. I yeah. saw your face. Yeah. That yeah. was an appropriate face. <laughs> um, but that, you know, where it's like handicapped, like, well, I'm not handicapped. That, that doesn't seem like a term that fits me. And I get that. Like, I mean, if anybody is handicapped, you're handicapped, right? That's right. That's exactly right. <laughs> but, you know, I, I like, I, I do like. The, the phrasing you choose to to have a bodily difference to have a, just mm-hmm. a difference um because listen being different is awesome hey oh uh did you did you like that transition <laughs> that was there? a great transition <laughs> here's the thing uh we we can get into talking a little bit about your book but yeah. if we were all the same mm-hmm. i mean just how boring right how how just incredibly boring and snooze fest that would be mm-hmm. and and here's the thing whether or not somebody has a, a difference or not we're all different anyway mm-hmm. we're, right. like we're just inherently different from each other just some of us you know have the the, the i don't want to say unfortunate but the the, their situation is that it's so visible right that difference is just presented right. it's visually obvious yeah yep and and so I love that your book is titled "Different Is Awesome." Mm-hmm. And uh, so Ryan wrote a book. Uh, it's I mean it's it's a children's book, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, called "Different Is Awesome," and the pictures are by is it Wes Molbash? Molbash, that's Molbash. Right. yeah. Um, so just talk to there us a little are, bit uh, about there are the some book. adult themes in there that are hidden. No, I'm just kidding. I'm totally just kidding about that. <laughs> <laughs> it's like an old school Disney movie. Right, yeah. That's going to be the next book. That'll be the next book. Um, no, I, I wanted to touch on one thing before, because you were talking about all of oh, this being just, different. And it, just shit on and me, it, the interviewer. It, it, it tie, it I've done such a bad job <laughs> ties into the trying book. to promote your book, get people to buy it. Just hold, just hold off on the uh, book for a second. <laughs> no, it fits in the book because, you know, different is awesome. What you were saying, we're all different in some way. And, and one thing that's, that's interesting, like I know this, this girl, so she's in college and she plays lacrosse and she has, so both of her hands, she has things going on with them, um, but she's also very tall. And when she went away to college and her parents are both super tall and they're all awesome. Their family's amazing. 
Um, and I know them from, from this thing I go to in Boston, but I remember her, um, going to college and then talking to her dad and he was telling me this, like, she was just saying, Oh, just, I, I can't handle the stairs. And like, it's just so annoying and you know, all this stuff. And he was like, Hey, you know, you're prepared for this. Like, you know, you're different, you know, your hands are bliss and that and blah, 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 whatever. And she just goes, what? I'm not talking about my hands. I'm talking about being tall. I'm so tired of being tall. And he was just like, Oh, she's like, Oh yeah. I don't care about my hands. Whatever. My hands are my hands. Yeah. But I can't escape being tall. Yeah. Like I, like literally everyone sees me because I'm taller than everyone by a half a foot, you know? And so it was just, it was an interesting thing to be like, Oh, she has more than, you know, her physical differences are plentiful yeah, and the ones that you maybe didn't expect are the ones that she struggles with more. Um, but yeah, so, so the book different is awesome. I mean, it, it points that out. Um, so I'd maybe want me just to tell you kind of the, the yeah. genesis. Of yeah. I mean, how like, like, like tell me about how, I mean, you grew up this way, mm-hmm. <laughs> this way. That sounds so weird to say, <laughs> yeah. you know, you, you grew up the way you did. Right. You freak. <laughs> yep. That's right. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> maybe grew that up, was too far. <laughs> grew up as a mutant. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, and at some point, uh, I see the copyright here is 2016. At some point, you decided, hey, I should write a book. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, did the did livingonehanded.com come first or yeah. did the book come first? Yep. No, so so essentially what happened, so I'll give kind of a quick um recap of of how this came to be. So I'm I'm in my mid-30s, I'm not thinking about my hand really at all. Uh I was eating dinner at Culver's. That's by good because it's not there, Ryan. That's that's exactly right. <laughs> I was just like, if only I had my left hand. That was <laughs> The dominant thought that I had all the time. Ryan, I uh, am your left hand. <laughs> Have you seen me? <laughs> um, so I'm eating dinner by myself, which, you know, that's kind of sad as an adult, but whatever. Uh, and this lady and her kid walk in and, and her little boy has an arm that looks like mine. You're at Culver's, right? I was at Culver's, that's right. Let me tell you, r- let me interrupt really quick. Yeah. So I have an iPhone, and uh, when, when, you're, when your car has a Bluetooth receiver in mm-hmm. it, and it connects to your phone automatically when you start your car. Uh, now the iPhone will go, oh, this is the car uh, deck. This sure. is the car Bluetooth. And I'm going to search my database and go, okay, well, it's this time of day on this day. Usually this is where this person goes. And it'll flash and say, you're seven minutes away from this destination. Sure. The other day, I get in my car at about 5.15 on a Friday evening, mm-hmm. start my car and my phone goes, you're three minutes away from Culver's. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was simultaneously so proud and ashamed. Nice. Anyway, so you're in Culver's. <laughs> right. <laughs> right. So I'm at Culver's, uh, again, this mom and her kid walk in, the kid has an arm like mine and we kind of make eye contact and, and I had never really noticed anybody. Um, just cause I was never looking for it. Right. Like, yeah. And I'm, but I noticed that he looked like me and it was right by my house, like a couple blocks away from my house. And I'm like, wow, this is super interesting. But I didn't do anything with that. I just, I started to leave at one point and then they basically, the mom kind of ran after me. Was that know, scary? Pulling him along <laughs> a little bit. And it was a little awkward because we just kind of stopped and I don't think she thought any further than that. Yeah. And so if she was just kind of presenting us to each other, like, Look at you two. You're the same, but you're old and he's Johnny, a kid. this is your father. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and so I tried to like I'm not super great with with small talk and whatever, but I was trying to talk to him and he had a Detroit Tigers jersey on and remember I was asking about baseball and 
he clearly like this was not his idea right and i was like i yeah. get it like you you know every answer was yes or no and he clearly just wanted to go and I, like i'm just here for a cheeseburger right, exactly i don't know why my mom was doing this i was like i would have been you if i was a kid totally like, i wouldn't have cared but for the mom it, it seemed like a really big deal and so i remember leaving there being like wow if she was that excited and and inspired just by seeing me alive, <laughs> like eating dinner, like I feel like I could be more intentional about helping people. Yeah. And so it took a while. I mean, I think it was a, another year or two. I had written a piece about, you know, a good, how the, the community around me was so supportive. And I felt like that was a lot of why I was, was so confident and, and I didn't worry about it and it wasn't a big deal to me. And so then I started the website livingonehanded.com and just wrote about what it's like to live as a person with a physical difference and my thoughts on, you know, prosthetics and, and what that looks like and, you know, how I deal with being stared at and, you know, all the, all the things that parents really were telling me that they were worried about and how do I help my kid with this? Um, and so I kind of shared those, those different things, you know, working as a person who has one hand, you know, how do you do an interview and what kind of things should you expect when you go into the, the workforce and, you know, all just things like that. And then I started making videos about how I do things with one hand and just make them, you know, to be funny and informative and just to show people that how I do it, like, it's not necessarily a how to thing, but just yeah. how I do it and yeah. to, to show them there's a way. Um, and I, I get, you know, emails from parents all the time who are like, we, we just had an ultrasound and found out our kid's going to be born with one hand and we freaked out. And then we found your website and we watched all your videos and now we feel like he's, he's going to be able to do Oh, that. life is going to be like, okay. Right. He'll figure it out. And that's the, my whole point. If a kid wants to do anything, they'll figure it out, you know, just allow them to do it. Um, and so that's kind of the point. So then, um, so at one point I just, I, I had this idea when I was younger, probably in my early twenties, one of my younger brothers, Joey, um, brought me for show and tell. That's so funny. So great. He's getting married next month and I might bring that up. Um, I mean, are you giving a speech? I mean, I might have to. Yeah. You're going like to have to do that. Yeah. Um, and thank him for everything. But yeah, so it was just kind of one of those funny things where it was like, I sat in front of them, they asked me how I did some things, and then they just asked me if I liked the movie Tommy Boy, and that was it, right? Like, they didn't care much about my hand at all. I remember what, the the only thing really that I remember, and this was, again, when I was early 20s, so I was still in kind of that defensive area. Sure. And he was like, well, how did you get here? It's like, I, I drove. <laughs> like, and he goes, you can drive? And I was like, yeah, I can drive. Wait, how old were these like, kids? I don't know. Elementary school. I don't yeah. know how old they were, but I was you just had like, a brother in elementary school when yeah. you were in your twenties. Oh yeah. Wow. He's gosh, 15, 15 years younger than me. So he's 25. Yeah. Something like that. 25, 26. Is this a half brother? Yes. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That makes way more sense yeah. to me. Then. Okay. <laughs> I was going to, I was just going to let it sit there and see, see what happens. But, uh. Yeah. So it was, you know, so I had that, I thought it was kind of funny. And then what had happened was, what had happened was, um, there's this author, Judith Casely, who had this book, um, called something, something Willie and Carrot Head. <laughs> like it's just, it's this, just this little book about these three friends. One of them happens to have one hand and he's kind of the hero in the story and kind of, um, helps his other two friends who are having a fight or whatever. And so my friend, Erin, who's a, a teacher down, she was a teacher in Florida at the time. She sent me this picture and was like, Hey, have you heard of this book? I think you'd really like it. 
And it was written after I was of the age of when I would have read that, you know, sure. when I yeah. was a kid. So I just never saw it. And I was like, wow, this is great. And I was doing a podcast myself as well, um, interviewing people who I thought were were inspiring. And so I reached out to her, the author of this book, and I was like, I'd, I'd love to interview, just find out where did you get the inspiration for this character and blah, 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 whatever. And so then we got on the topic of writing and I kind of told her this story, you know, of this you know, show and tell thing. And she just said, well, that's your book. And I was like, what? <laughs> She's like, yeah, it's your book. Just yeah, write that. Totally. And I was like, oh, oh okay. okay. <laughs> that sounds great. And she's written dozens of, of kids books and stuff. And so I remember, you know, writing it out and just horrible first drafts. Like I found some of the first drafts in my garage not too long ago. And they were a disaster. They were so bad. But I remember her kind of helping me with it and giving it to other friends to, you know, read to their kids and just kind of get a, a sense of, you know, how can this be helpful? Because it so it kind of retells that story where a little boy brings his older brother to class. Uh, they ask him questions about how he does things. And you realize along the way, each of the kids asking him questions have something different about them too. Whether it's, you know, they're tall or they're short or wear glasses or they have freckles or, you know, whatever it happens to be. Um, that we, you know, the point of it being, like you said earlier, we're all different in some yeah. way or another. And some of us don't have, you know, very noticeable physical differences, but maybe we have family situations that are, are different than other people or, you know, whatever, you know, different types of things that we deal with. And so just pointing out the fact that those are things that we can celebrate. Those are things that we should embrace and love about each other rather than be afraid of or embarrassed by or ridiculing other people so that's kind of the point of it i'm um, just getting to that point where it isn't like an anti-bullying thing it's it's learning to but accept who is. you are i mean it just yeah it's both it, it is. is accepting who you are but it also is like so one of the things that i love about you is that you go to these schools mm -hmm. you, you travel around and and do these speeches at schools right or not speeches but like presentations do whatever assemblies yeah mm -hmm. and i just love because here's the thing man People talk about how hard high school is and yeah, how right. hard middle school is. I had the hardest time in elementary school. Hmm. I that is where I got most of my bullying really? in on me. Yeah. I became a bully later in high school. Yeah. That's a that's another <laughs> conversation. But right. um I, I think it's in elementary school. I, obviously you want to get this message to kids as soon as possible. Mm -hmm. So it's in elementary school where they really need to hear Hey, you little shits. <laughs> <laughs> Which that's what I say. Actually. I was going to say yeah. maybe you wouldn't say that. No, that's that's how hey, I present it. All of you kids, <laughs> you all need to understand you're all you're all different and right. that's totally okay. Who you are, mm -hmm. you know, first of all, who you are is okay. Mm -hmm. The differences that you have from this person and that person, that's okay. But then beyond that, it's when you notice a difference in somebody else, shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> Again, which is how I present it. Yeah. Obviously, you don't say that. No, but it. But that is, as an adult, that's my maybe what you would say right. to somebody. Like when you notice that difference in somebody, mm -hmm. who cares? Right. Don't be a shithead. Like just. <laughs> they're, they're, I'm going to actually make shirts that say that. <laughs> Children sizes to bring with. Oh, is it okay if I said no? This is not. You want me to leave these in the car? Okay. You know. Uh, we do. We have shirts for Story Slam, and uh, 
So at the beginning, maybe you've noticed at the last two story slimes you've been to, at, at the beginning, we talk, we tell the judges what we're right. doing and we talk about the time. And I always say the time, it's more about the girth than right. it is the length. Right. I really want to make t-shirts and say <laughs> it's more about the girth than it is the length. Right. I actually have the design nice. and then it has Madison story slime on them, but I'm just not sure that people They're would actually buy them. Buy them. <laughs> no, I think people would buy them, but I don't know that they right. would wear them. Right. So That's true. Yep. Uh, no, so yeah. that's off topic, off topic. But I love that what you do is again, a, you tell kids you're fine the way right. you are. Like, well, it's perfect. I, I think and then totally you tell right. them again, don't, don't be a dick to mm-hmm. other kids. Right. Yeah. Again, not necessarily those terms, but I think because they're, they're still learning. Like that's the thing is that kids that age, you know, I do typically I'll do an assembly for K through two and then grades three through five. Um, cause they're, you know, a, a kindergartner and a fifth grader are light years apart and <clears throat> how they can process things and understand it. But, but it's so true that they're, they're learning what that means. And yeah. so like, I do a little thing during, during my assembly presentation about when you see someone who looks different than you, here's how to act appropriately. Here are some things that you can say, like treat them like anyone else. Like you said, you know, um, I do demonstrations about how I, you know, swing a bat and catch and throw a baseball and throw a football. And the whole reason is, you know, I tell the kids that when we see someone who might look different than us, I think our thoughts automatically go to, oh, that's too bad. Like they probably can't do dot, 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 whatever it happens to be. And I want to help them think about it in a different way and say, oh, wow. Yeah, they look different than me. I wonder how they dot dot dot. I'll bet it's pretty cool how they're able to throw a baseball or swing a bat or whatever it happens to be. Or eat a two-handed cheeseburger. Eat a with two-handed one hand. cheeseburger. Right. That's exactly right. <laughs> you know, but just getting that mindset to change, like you said, instead of seeing someone and, and maybe pitying them or feeling bad, instead of having that mindset, seeing them and saying, Wow, I wonder how they do stuff. Like I bet it's pretty cool. Um and, and then just, you know, just the basic things about how to interact with people in general. Like yeah. kids are still learning that. Totally. And so it's like just asking, hey, what what would you ask anybody that you don't know? Like, if you want to get to know someone, period, what kinds of things would you ask them? Oh, ask them their name. Yep, exactly. So if a person has one hand, guess what? They still have a name, right? So you can ask Wait, them their what? Right. Ask them their name. What, you know, what's their favorite show? Do they like pizza? Like, whatever. Like, ask them anything you would ask anyone else. Yeah. And then invite them to sit with you at lunch. Invite them to play with you at recess. Like, these are, those are simple things that you would do with anyone else. Right. So if a kid's in a wheelchair, they ask them the same questions, invite them to do the same things and, and figure it out, you know, because you, you wouldn't think of that if they weren't in a wheelchair, if yeah. they look just like you, you wouldn't think about any of those things. You would just ask the questions normally. So it's like, I, I want to try to get them to think about people who have a physical difference in that same way. It doesn't matter. You know, it isn't that big of a deal. I know you're freaked out by it, <laughs> but don't be. Like, just ask them normal questions that you would ask anybody else, and I guarantee you'll become fast friends, right? You know, you know what I mean? Like, it's just basic stuff, I think. But kids are still learning how to do that. Um, And so, it's it's fun for me to have the opportunity to get in front of them and say, yep, I have one hand, but I can still do what anybody else can do. And I'm just a normal guy. I mean, quote, unquote, normal. I get, I'm not that normal. But it's not because of one hand. Right. It's not not because of a hand thing. Um, but just trying to normalize it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they're, they're just like anybody else. So. Well, I just, I just love that you're telling kids like who you are is okay. Mm-hmm. Because so many kids, maybe they don't get that at home. 
That's you know, so funny that you say that. They just they just don't get somebody who say that, hey, inherently who you are as a person mm-hmm. is acceptable, right. is is enough. Yeah. It's okay. And so, so that you get to go to schools in front of all of these kids and mm-hmm. say to them, who you are as a person is enough. It's right. okay. It's acceptable. Yeah. Like that, well, man, what a powerful thing right. you get to do. Well, I, I literally say at the end of my presentation, what you just said, I tell them, you know, this 300 second and third graders, I tell them, I don't know what you go home to. Yeah. You know, I don't know how your teachers treat you. I don't know how your parents treat I you. I hope it's good. <laughs> right. I, I typically, I don't say the teacher thing, but it's true. I mean, I don't, I don't yeah. know yeah. How, what their school is like. I don't yeah. know what their home life is like. But I, I get to stand in front of you and tell you that you are valuable just the way that you are. I love that. Um, I love that. And I ask, it's fun because I'll ask them, do you guys know what that means? Do you know what something, do you know what being valuable means? Um, and they'll all give these incredible answers. And I love saying like, hey, if somebody comes in to rob your house, like what are they going to take? Are yeah. they going to take a gallon of milk? Oh, what a good way like, to under- like, help socks. them understand value. Yeah. Right. And they're like, no, no, they take your money and they take your TV. And, they and I was like, yeah, right. The stuff that's worth a lot, right? That's the stuff that they want. And it's like, and that, that's what you are. You, you're valuable. You, you're needed. You're wanted. You know, we need you. Um, and so, you know, again, just, just like you said, I don't know if they ever hear that message from anybody. Yeah. Um, and so if they hear it one time from me, hopefully it'll do something. Hopefully it'll resonate in some way yeah, or another. Yeah, listen, hopefully that implants in their hearts and in their heads and like they understand that like, hey, this is a true thing right. that this random one-handed man yeah. told me. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> this old man with one hand told me I'm valuable. Um, so it's 3.45. Yeah. Uh, do you have a little bit more time? Yeah, sure. Okay, cool. So I want to talk about something difficult. Yeah. If that's okay. Yes. I feel like you probably know where I'm going. Um. So I was reading through your blog. Yeah. And uh, so it's livingonehanded.com. And, and people can go there to to order the book, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. Uh, so if you go to livingonehanded.com, you can find the different is awesome book. I think yep. there's a link on the livingonehanded.com. There's the store that they can click on as well. Mm-hmm. Yep. Or, the, I mean, or they could it also buy the book here as well. Yeah. So. Buy the book. Oh, I mean, you can go to Amazon, Barnes and Noble, like any of those Anywhere. places that have it too. Cool. Yep. Awesome. Yep. Um, and who's the, who's your publisher on that? I didn't look. So mascot books, mascot um, books. Okay. they're in Virginia. So yeah, they had reached out. I'd done a Kickstarter project initially, um, to fund the book. Okay. <clears throat> and then they reached out, uh, kind of during it. And I didn't know at that point if I was going to do completely. Man, how cool is that? Like, publishing. Did they just hear about you just cause, or did you, did you reach out to them first? No, they, no, they just found it. And that's so cool. The, the acquisitions person was like, we love it. They, they donated to the Kickstarter. That is um, so cool. Yeah. And there was no, I mean, they had no skin in the game really. I mean, yeah. they didn't, I didn't tell them that I was going to go with them or anything. I just yeah. said, thanks for reaching out. I'll, I'll be in touch. So yeah. Very cool. cool. All right. So livingonehanded.com. It's, it's really, it's mostly a blog. I feel like for the most part where you yep. kind of write, I don't think you have had many recent entries. I would I encourage not. you I know. to start again <laughs> because I read through a lot of it. Yeah. And and was really encouraged just as cool myself just reading through it. I it, your writing on your blog is really good. Thanks, man. Um, so this is difficult, and I I don't know how this is gonna go. Sure. Uh, you lost your dad in November of 2014, right? And uh, the difficult part. I mean, that's difficult no matter what, right? But the extra difficult part is that he took his life, right? Mm-hmm. And so 
I just want to talk to you about that because this whole episode, you've kind of, you've kind of shared things that you've learned throughout your life. Mm-hmm. And while I imagine this was something, obviously, that was <clears throat> difficult and life-changing in a negative way, I would imagine that you have at least learned something from it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And I just think that we would be remiss if we remiss if we didn't talk about it a yeah. little bit. No, I'm completely open to talking about it. Okay, cool. Yeah. Yep. So forgive me if any of my questions are insensitive. Yeah. I've never been through anything like this. Sure. Can you walk me through getting the call? Oh man, yeah. Oh, that's <laughs> that sucks. Um yeah, so I mean, so so just a little background. Um my so my grandpa passed away in 2013. He was 93. He was amazing. And I remember um, he was in hospice and I remember walking around with my dad my dad had this little notebook that he was writing stuff in and I asked him what it was. And he said, well, I'm writing down the things that I, I admire about my dad. And my dad was not, he was not an emotional guy. Yeah. Um, he was very blue collar, strong, hard worker, hilarious, but no nonsense, you know? Um, and so to me, you know, and he's writing things down like, you know, hardworking, loyal, um, you know, just, just all these things that he admired about him. And it, it meant a lot to me to be like, wow, my dad's actually doing something. Like there was a connection between them that was super strong. Um, and I always knew that, but to kind of see that in person was, was a huge thing. Um, and, and so when my grandpa died, I think it was a huge thing for my dad. My, my grandma died way before that she died. was not, I think it was in middle school or something. Yeah. Um, and so my dad, I think it, I think it really affected him in a, in a big way. Um, and I just want to interview yeah. you quick when my dad, so my dad's parents, um, died within a year of each other. My, his dad died in 20, 2002, 2003. Mm-hmm. And then his, in August. And then his mom died a okay. week after his dad died a yeah. year later in August. Sure. And he, he will talk about all the time how it was just such a big th- once they were both gone, like mm-hmm. it was a big deal that his dad died, yeah. but once they were both gone, yeah. he, he talks about how he really did feel like an orphan. That's, that's what my dad said. Yeah. I mean, he's 61. He was 61. He's like, oh, I'm an orphan now. Yeah. And I'm like, yeah, you're 61. <laughs> like, that's not really, that's not really what an orphan is, <laughs> yeah. but I suppose, I mean, technically that's true. And so it was, yeah, it was definitely interesting to see how heartbroken i think that he was um which then the heartbroken thing kind of leads to he actually had um heart issues um he had a it's a called an aortic dissection dude that's so weird because two years after my dad both his parents were gone so after Mm -hmm. my grandpa after my grandma died two years after that my dad a pastor is preaching on a sunday morning Mm -hmm. collapses on stage (laughs) with heart failure really has heart surgery has a pacemaker and a defibrillator put in his chest well, it's just so interesting yep. to hear your side of this. That similarity. like yeah. the heartbrokenness led to real heart issues. Right. Yeah, and I think I mean I, I think I my wife Julie will say she thinks that that's just it's just true. Yeah, like he really just he had a broken heart, and so he, um, yeah, so he had surgery UW Hospital and and it went well. Um, they were able to to fix it. Um, there's actually some pretty hilarious stuff that happened when he. 
I mean, they called the ambulance and he answered the door. <laughs> my my brother, <laughs> like, he just he knew everybody and he was just, you know, gosh, I took some aspirin, everything's fine. And they're like, Calvin, yeah, like, we're gonna take you aren't in. we here for you? <laughs> Sit down. And my brother, Bill, is a, he was a, a nurse at the, in the ER at UW Hospital at the time. Yeah. And uh, he was there with him and they're just like, Bill, what are you doing? And he's like, you know, my dad, <laughs> like, he's, he's not going to sit down. Like, yeah. he told him not to turn on the sirens. It's like, you leave the lights and the sirens <laughs> on. Like, this isn't an option thing. Yeah, right? Like, right? we're driving the ambulance. Uh, we're taking you to the emergency room. <laughs> this is not an a la carte. Right, exactly. Uh, yeah, this here. isn't a, uh, you know, you want the lights on or off? Oh, you know, we'll leave my, oh, that's fine. But that was just who he was. You know, he was this, this strong guy, didn't want to be a burden on anyone. And, and uh, was just like, oh, it'll, it'll be fine. I'll be fine. Um, and so, and I remember, you know, so he had the surgery. It was, it was obviously major surgery. And um, he, before he went under, he kind of brought us all in. And, and I really think that he thought he wasn't going to come out of it. Really? Like, I think he was kind of, you know, you know how you do like kind of the just in case, like, Hey, take care of each other. If anything happens, yep. blah, blah, blah. But I just, I just got the sense that he was saying that stuff for real. Like he really thought, you know, this is, and, and part of me feels like he thought, well, this is okay. You know, like this, this stinks, but you know, it is what it is. But he did come out of it. And I remember even when he was in the hospital, he, he had some thoughts of, of self-harm. And I, and I remember being in the room with him and it was really kind of awkward because he, he would say like, yeah, I was thinking, cause they had like that little tiny TV in the room you yeah. know? and he was going kind of stir crazy anyway. Cause he's always outside and he's in this room with no windows. And it's like, oh, I was thinking of hanging myself from that TV, but I'm too fat. I feel like I just pull right off the wall, you know? And it's like making a joke about it. But that's, but, do you, but you don't joke about that, dad. <laughs> but, but so do you think that even then that that really was, I, I think he was just so thrown off by everything that he didn't know. He was just like, why, why am I feeling like this? Yeah. You know, like I need to just get out of here. And had he held, had he dealt with depression at all before then? Not that I'm aware of. Um, now my uncle, uh, my uncle Ed. Um, he took his own life. My dad's brother okay. took his own life when I was in, I think, first grade. So, I mean, it was like 30 years before my dad did. Sure. But I remember even just a few years before my dad did, talking to him about that. Because I was so little at the time, I didn't know much about it. And I had some questions and, and just asked my dad. And he was just visibly angry and upset. And, you know, still 30 years yeah. later, like, I can't believe that Eddie would have done that. And left you know the kids and and us and well how would he how could he do that to my parents and etc cetera, etc cetera. like all of those types of things like kind of still processing those things which is normal but i'd never heard him talk about it yeah you know so for me it was never something that even came into my mind about my dad because i knew how he felt about it with his brother mm -hmm. and so it never even crossed my mind that that would be something that he would do um and so then you know that was in july um and I knew he was struggling with like, who, who am I now? Because he was such a physical, strong, um, active guy that he, I know a part of him was just like, who am I now? Like, and I know he was in pain still, um, yeah. but he didn't want to tell anybody that because that's not who he is. You know, like I'm, I'm the strong one. Yeah. Um, and so I would ask him, you know, how are you doing? And he'd, every time he just say, I'm getting a little better every day and I'm not going to challenge that, you know, like, okay. 
that, I mean, that sounds right. Yeah. Like, yeah, you're getting better every day. That's sure. right. But like he would tell my aunt, um, you know, you know, I, I could go, I could die at any moment. And she's like, yeah, that's kind of like being a human. That's kind of <laughs> how that works. It's like, no, 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 but I really, I really could. And I have two other uncles who have had heart things too, like major heart attacks and, and all that. And you just be like, how do you do it? Like, how do you walk around knowing that your, your heart is the way it is and blah, 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 you know? And they're like, well, I mean, your, your back is probably better than it was before, you know? And so anyway, that's, I think he just, he, he struggled so, so much with, with that and with the pain and, and with not wanting to, to be a burden on anybody. So then, yeah. So the, the day that it happened, um, I was at work and my wife called, I'm trying to think. I actually can't remember now. I think my brother might have called me first and I didn't answer. And then my wife called and she just said, I need you to stay calm. And I'm like, okay. I, uh, I, I am near tears just hearing <laughs> yeah. this. Well, she just said, I need you to stay calm, but your, your dad shot himself and you need to go over there. And I was like, what? Like that didn't make sense. She said, you need to go over there right now. And I was like, okay. And so I, I remember I hung up and I ran over to my supervisor and just said, I got to go. My dad shot himself. And they're like, oh, okay. Yeah, because <laughs> like, what do you say to that? Right. Yeah. And I like, I still feel bad to this day where I'm like, <laughs> I'm really sorry. I just, I didn't know what to, you know, and they're yeah, like, uh, like, obviously. Yeah. They're like, yeah. don't worry about that. This is the last yeah. thing you need to worry about. But then, so I, I was only a few minutes away actually from, from their house, probably like eight minutes. But um, just, I just remember the whole drive feeling like, I, my brain, I think was. I mean, is your stomach just like jumping out the window the whole time you're driving? Like, I, yeah. I just, I can't imagine this. Well, so what happened to me was, I think my brain was trying to keep me safe on the way there, to be honest, because I, I, I was like, I think I heard it wrong or like, why would I need to go if he's dead? Like, that doesn't make sure, sense, right? Yeah. So, like, logically, I'm thinking, okay, I need to go over there to help. Yeah. Um, and so, maybe he, he missed or he, he did shot him, shoot himself and, and he's okay, but I need to go and be there with him or, or whatever. Like, so, I think it was just my brain being like, okay, don't crash on your way over there. Like, we'll figure this out. Um, but, yeah, so, then I got there and there were cops everywhere and, and I got to the door, which was just a bizarre thing to, like, walk through all of the cops and everything and have them kind of looking at you and they know but you're you just got there and uh i remember meeting my brother at the door and just saying is he dead and he said yeah and i was like and then i lost it i fell to the ground and i I kicked the chair and just was like why like what what is happening you know and so then it was just the worst day ever because we have a huge family and so it was just being there and you know people coming and coming and coming and coming and and I will cry but you know just every person coming in the door and going through it again and again and again and every person saying why 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 and there's no answer you don't have a reason for it you know what i mean um and so that was just like this just sucks you know and i remember yeah. my um and this maybe this is weird but like it was in the garage like he was in the garage and so it was it was weird to be <laughs> in the house and knowing that he was there and like <laughs> just just a, a weird logistical thing where you're like this is just a bizarre thing but yeah i remember the 
the police coming and my, my uncle didn't leave a note when he did, um, when I was younger and I was always like upset about that. And I always thought that was kind of a, kind of a shitty thing where it's like, well, why wouldn't you at least say why, you know, or like say something nice to them or I don't know. Um, but then I saw that my dad did leave a note. And so they gave me, you know, like that almost make it worse. Well, so they gave me this, this notebook and I saw his handwriting and I just, I grabbed it and I just immediately chucked it across the room. (laughs) I was like, I don't want to look at that. Excuse me. Um, yeah. So I was like, because the thought process was, wait, so you took the time to write out a note to us. You told us why. You told us that you loved us. You told us that you're sorry. You told us to take care of each other. And those are all good things. But it didn't stop you from doing it. Yeah, you said sorry, <clears throat> and then you did it. Yeah. But then also, like, I would imagine, like, seeing this note of explaining the reasons why, you look at all these reasons why, and you go, well, that's fixable. Yep. This is fixable. Oh, 100%. Yep. No, absolutely. And that's the thing, is that that you look at it and... I think the I think the main thing for him really was his I think he had a lot more pain like physical pain sure than he ever let on and I and I think that he because he so this is this kind of graphic but like so he shot himself in the heart like that was how he did it and okay. I I guarantee that that was his kind and that's of pretty symbolic F you right you yeah. know like you, totally. you don't get to decide I'm not going to walk around worried all the time that you're going to fail me. Wow. Like I get to decide I'm, I'm in charge Yeah, and I'm going to take care of this. And, and I know he didn't want to like, that's the thing is that what I know the, the state that he was in, he didn't want to be a burden. He, he, I'm, I guarantee he did feel bad. Um, but I think that he didn't feel like there was any other way out of it. You know, we all know that's not true. Yeah. Like we all know there are other things like if you're in a lot of pain, Tell them, just tell someone mm-hmm. I'm still in a lot of pain. We, we got to figure out what's happening here. Cause I, I can't handle it. Um, and then we'll, fi- we'll figure it out. But I think to him, it was, you know, I- I'm going to, I'm going to take care of this and you guys don't need to worry about it, you mm-hmm. know? And which sucks because it's like, I get that. I understand that, but it's not what anybody wants, <laughs> you yeah. know, um, we're all here to, to help you and, and to figure out what to do. Um, and so, yeah, it was, it, it sucked. And like, I still have that note and I'll, I'll look at it every once in a while. It'll be four years in in November, which is bizarre that it's, it's been that long, but, and it took a long time to figure out. I mean, I talk, um, quite a bit about, um, you know, when I do presentations, I do longer ones with like corporations and businesses and stuff like that. And I talk about like legacy and kind of leaving uh, a legacy. And I talk about my dad and, and what does that mean? to his legacy because he was an amazing guy. I mean, his, his wake or the visitation before his funeral was hours longer than they ever stayed open because wow. there were hundreds of people came through. Yeah. He affected so many people in positive way. I had friends who were like, yeah, we came to, to pay our respects and to, to give you a hug. And when we got there, we were told it was going to be like two and a half hours just to, to get to you. And so it was like that many people he affected in a positive way. And then you look at how it ended and you say, okay, does that ruin everything? Like, does that, does the way it ended, is that all people are going to remember? Huh? Um, and I was like, I, I can't, I can't let that happen. And that isn't, you know, 
I don't think that's how life works. And I think it took me a while to get to the point where I was like, the way it ended was the worst. Oh, yeah. I hate it, hate everything about it, but it doesn't negate everything that came before it. You know, like my kids got to spend time with him and he was the like quintessential grandpa, right? He was everything you think about a good grandpa. Mm -hmm. He was. He was on the floor playing with them. He was at baseball games, you know, all the, all the stuff that you think about best grandpa in the world. Um, and they got an opportunity to, to experience that. One of the worst moments in my life was telling my kids that, and we didn't shy away from it. We didn't hide it from them. We told them, yeah, Papa killed himself. Do you know what that means? And that was what the, that was probably, you know, other than getting that phone call and going over there myself, that was, that may have been worse. Yeah. Trying, you know, telling them, but like my brothers, they're, they're, one of them's getting married next month. Neither of them have kids. When they have kids, they'll never know him. You know, they'll know of him and they'll know the things that we tell them, but they won't have gotten to play with him, Mm -hmm. you know, and, and, you know, ride him like a a horse, (laughs) right? (laughs) My kids did. And so I think it took a while to be like, you know what, this is part of his story, but it isn't the only part. Um, It's the worst part. It's the part that I don't like, but everything that came before it is still true. Yeah. Um, I, I like the idea that the end is not the story. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's, it's definitely uh, the part that you don't like and the part that you would have said when they submitted the manuscript, you'd be like, let's, let's leave take the, this let's, out. Let's leave that part out. <laughs> let's maybe just uh, have them live for another 25 years yeah. and uh, let's, do, let's go that route, you know? But that is what happened. And so you, you deal with it. I mean, I, I just spoke to someone literally today um, who lost her son uh, to suicide like a, a week or two ago, mm-hmm. you know, and she just, she had all the, she was saying all the things that I said, you know, she was like, how, how did you go on? Like, how did you go on with your life? Um, and so it was, it was nice to be able to kind of share with her, you know, what kind of what to expect and to be yeah. patient with yourself and allow yourself to feel whatever you feel whenever you feel it. And, you know, all, all those kinds of things, but, um, but it's a sucky club to be in. Um, I, I was actually quite surprised when it happened how many people I knew who were directly impacted by suicide that I had no idea that they were. Yeah. I mean, I had probably five or six people that I worked with who, who came up and were like, oh yeah, I lost my brother. I lost my uncle. I lost, you know, whatever. So it's just, it's, it's this club that exists that isn't talked about a lot. And it, I think that it should be so that people know they're, they're not alone and that it's not their fault. Um, obviously we want to be on the lookout for things for sure. Um, but it, you know, I think people feel alone and they feel like, oh man, what, what could I have done, you know, to, to prevent it. Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's just good to know there are so many of us out here, um, who are part of that, yeah. who can support each other. Going through it. Yeah. Uh, so you started talking about that by talking about your grandpa who passed away mm-hmm. and you said that your dad was writing down in a notebook mm-hmm. what he admired about his dad. Right. What do you admire about your dad? Oof. That's a good question. I think, so my dad and I had a, an interesting relationship, I think. Uh, my parents were divorced when I was three or four. Um, I, I grew up with my mom, um, saw my dad like every other weekend when I was growing up. So I didn't see him a ton, um, but he always came to my stuff, always came to you know my band concerts and whatever baseball games I had and you know just different events and things. 
Um, and so he was, he was consistent in that way. Like I knew that he would be there for that stuff. Um, we didn't have a super close relationship. I don't think just because we didn't, you know, I didn't grow up with him. Yeah. You know what I mean? Um, I always kind of thought about that even, even after he passed with my half brothers who did grow up with him. Um, and so they, they experienced him in a different way than I did. And that's okay. Like it's, I'm not upset about it in any way. It's just different. You yeah. Know? And so for me, it was like, um, kind of one, one of my regrets was like, I feel like we were in a really good place and I feel like we were going, we were getting to be even closer friends and kind of getting into deeper things and having kids really, I think helped with that and like yeah. being there more often and stuff. And so I think, you know, those are things he, he was always there for people. He could help anybody with anything. Um, he, he knew everybody. And so it's like, if you needed something, he if, has he, the could, guy in if his, he couldn't yeah. do it, oh, I'll, I'll call Morty or I'll call, you know, whoever, you know, he's got somebody that can help you with it. Um, and so it was always, he was always there for that. And obviously with my kids, he was an amazing grandpa and just a great, you know, great family guy and very handy. He could do anything, uh, fix anything, which is not really my forte, <laughs> <laughs> but I try, I try. Um, and so those are, you know, and he was hilarious. I mean, we had, we had a very similar sense of humor. Um, I remember I, I recorded this, uh, <laughs> uh, I got a flu shot and I thought, Got a flu shot, and I was like, "Well, I'm going to record this, and we'll we'll see what happens here." So the lady was telling me about whatever, and I was like, "Well, I just want to let you know, I'm a little leery about getting a flu shot because last time I got a flu shot, <laughs> and she just looked at me like you had your arm amputated because you had a flu." And I was just like, "I'm just kidding, I'm just kidding." And she was like, "Oh my gosh, I should hit you!" Like she was, it was amazing. It was super funny. That she played along. So long. funny. <clears throat> She had a great time with it, and she was like, "This was the best." She's like, "Don't tell anybody so that I was going to hit you." And then she, you know, at the end, she was like, "Yeah, just fill out this form, and that way next time, you know, maybe you won't get your other arm out." <laughs> I was like, "It's great." So I remember showing that to my dad, and he thought it was hilarious. And he just, my brother was there, and he's like, "Hey, you see Ryan's uh, flu shot video?" He's like, "Not yet." My dad just rolled his eyes. He's like, "You got to watch it." <laughs> like, so. You know, so we we connected on a lot of levels, but yeah, those were were some of the things that I really um, appreciated about my dad. Yeah. Well, I think I'm good. Do you feel good? Yeah, um, I feel good. I have one last question that I have asked every guest. Yeah. Uh, and it's this: um, Who is the most interesting person? Your most interesting contact on your phone? Oh boy. My most interesting contact on my phone. And the interpretation is totally left up to you. Right. Oh my gosh. Like, I want to look at my You're phone one of see. the few people who have busted out their phone to actually look. <laughs> you know? Well, I have too many on here. I know. Problem. Yeah. I would say, let's see, most interesting person. I guess to me, well, like, so Jim Abbott, I had mentioned earlier, um, was kind of my, my hero growing up. Um, so to me, he's, he's incredibly interesting. He's an amazing guy. Um, uh, my friend Nick, so I'll just say my friend, Nick Newell, um, do a plug for him. <laughs> my, he's my MMA friend. Um, he's, he's an incredibly interesting guy and someone who I admire. I mean, he's, he's younger than me. We actually have a joke that I'm his dad <laughs> <Yeah>. because, 
Because you know, you're old. we both no, we both have we both have one hand, so obviously oh, I must I be with that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But we're like close to the same age. I mean, sure. it's like mid thirties, and so it's always like whenever we're at events together, I'll just be like, "I'm proud of you, son." He's <laughs> like, "Thanks, Dad." And people are looking at us like, "Are they are they really father and son?" <laughs> like, no, we're not really father and son. But he's just he's a really interesting guy because he's so um he he just had an interview recently about because he's going into the UFC now and he's I mean he's a big deal. I mean he's he's a huge deal. But um he said, which I thought was so interesting because I never thought of it this way. Um he said, if I win, people complain because they say I have this an unfair advantage. If I lose they say, I told you, he shouldn't, he shouldn't even have been in the ring, right? Oh, you know, so it's like, he can't win either way. Yeah. But he said, you know, cause he, he said, I think that Dana White, the, the UFC guy thinks he's like, I don't, he, he didn't want to deal with that. Like he didn't want to have, you know, cause he knows whether he wins or loses, he's going to have to deal with stuff. Yeah. And Nick said, the bottom line is I'm the one who has to deal with this every day of my life. And I'm prepared for that. Yeah. And that's, I deal with it every day and I will deal with it every day. And I was like, that is so true that, you know, the people around him, they deal with it in a, in a peripheral way, but he ultimately is the one who has to deal with all the people who say really crappy things about him every day. Um, and so just for me, seeing someone who is so successful and so good at what he does and deals with things in such a, I don't know, he, he's just he couldn't give an F, right? <laughs> you know, like he's living his life and let me do what I want to do and I will show you yeah. what I can do. Yeah. Um, so anyway, that's, I, I think personally, he's one of my, one of my favorite people and one of the most uh, interesting people that I know. Absolutely. That's a great answer. So nice. uh, again, the book is called Different is Awesome. You can find it on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, or if you log on to livingonehanded.com, you can find it there and just read through Ryan's uh, blog it's honestly it's it's such a great um you just do such a great job just writing Thanks. about your life and, and making people think so nice. thank you so much for coming on it was a pleasure uh and i really want to thank you especially in this last half for being really open and just willing to share tough parts yeah yeah so go check out his blog Li uh living one-handed and the book again is different is awesome thank you ryan thanks adam Hey, that is going to do it for us today on Madison Story Slam. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening to me and Ryan Hack talking about his life, his philosophy about how we're all different, but we're also all awesome. Again, the book is titled Different is Awesome. It is a children's book. Uh, but it is worth getting even as an adult because chances are you might know a child. If you're interested in getting a copy of the book, you can visit Ryan's website at www.livingonehanded.com or find it on Amazon, Barnes & Noble, anywhere you can buy books online. You can find the book Different is Awesome. Coming up for us, we have our final Story Slam that is scheduled right now, the extra one that we're doing outside at Rubinia Courtyard on Sunday, June 10th. The theme that night is thank you for your service. We are going to be there, and I hope you're going to be there. It's going to be a great night. Let's see what else. Go subscribe to the podcast. You know, share this episode on your social media. Tag a friend. Make them listen. And as always, I love you. <laughs> <laughs>